0: Hello, and welcome to the Daily Catholic Catechism Podcast. My name is Dan, and it's a pleasure to have you here. It is April 23rd, and we will be reading paragraphs 879 through 886 today. And today is also the Feast of St. George. Uh, the readings today, were still in the, the part on the church, and the main part of this reading is going to be about the Pope, the successor of Peter. And we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sacramental ministry in the Church, then, is a service exercised in the name of Christ. It has a personal character and a collegial form. This is evidenced by the bonds between the Episcopal College and its head, the successor of St. Peter, and in the relationship between the bishop's pastoral responsibility for his particular church and the common solicitude of the Episcopal College for the Universal Church. The Episcopal College and its Head the Pope When Christ instituted the twelve, he constituted them in the form of a college or permanent assembly, at the head of which he placed Peter, chosen from among them, just as by the Lord's institution. St. Peter and the rest of the apostles constitute a single apostolic college. So in like fashion, the Roman pontiff, Peter's successor, and the bishops, the successors of the apostles, are related with and united to one another. The Lord made Simon alone, whom he named Peter, the rock of his church. He gave him the keys of his church and instituted him shepherd of the whole flock, The office of binding and loosing, which was given to Peter, was also assigned to the College of Apostles united to its head. The pastoral office of Peter and the other apostles belongs to the Church's very foundation and is continued by the bishops under the primacy of the Pope. The Pope, Bishop of Rome, and Peter's successor is the perpetual and visible source and foundation of the unity both of the bishops and of the whole company of the faithful. For the Roman pontiff, by reason of his office as vicar of Christ and as pastor of the entire church, has full, supreme, and universal power over the whole church, a power which he can always exercise unhindered. The college or body of bishops has no authority unless united with the Roman Pontiff, Peter's successor, as its head. As such, this college has supreme and full authority over the universal church, but this power cannot be exercised without the agreement of the Roman Pontiff. The College of Bishops exercises power over the universal church in a solemn manner in an ecumenical council, but there never is an Ecumenical Council which is not confirmed, or at least recognized as such, by, by Peter's successor. This college, in so far as it is composed of many members, is the expression of the variety and universality of the people of God, and of the unity of the flock of Christ, in so far as it is assembled under one head. The individual bishops are the visible source and foundation of unity in their own particular churches. As such, they exercise their pastoral office over the portion of the people of God assigned to them, assisted by priests and deacons. But as a member of the Episcopal College, each bishop shares in the concern for all the churches. The bishops exercise this care first by ruling well their own churches as portions of the universal church, and so contributing to the welfare of the whole mystical body, which, from another point of view, is a corporate body of churches. They extend it especially to the poor, to those persecuted for the faith, as well as to missionaries who are working throughout the world. Thus ends our reading today from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The website is dailycatholiccatechism.com and you can email me at daily Catholic Catechism at gmail.com. God bless you all, and may these teachings handed down by the Apostles of Christ strengthen your faith and lead you to everlasting life. Amen.